It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. Welcome into this edition of the Skinny Podcast, college basketball edition presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor with Chad Brendel from Bearcat Journal and Rick Boring from Musketeer Report. Uh, fellas, we are down to the final four. Villanova, the team that we've we've kind of pointed to all season long, they they didn't disappoint us uh, getting there. Uh, Kansas, not a surprise because even though well they they actually pulled an upset by the odds makers because they were an underdog in in the game today, but they are also a, a one seed. So we did get two ones on one side, and on the other side you get a three. I mean, it feels like this has been the craziest tournament ever, but we still end up with two ones, a, a three, three and that, that actually you could have argued. Might have forced its way into a two, but certainly a, a solid three. And then the the team that's made a run is as kind of the outlier in Loyola, and we've had that on on a fairly not regular basis, but good enough basis. Um, Loyola, obviously, the biggest surprise. But you know, you go back to that win at Florida early in the year, and it kind of took us all. What's wrong with Florida? And then remember, Florida started playing awful, and it looked like that was just Florida playing badly. The more you watch them. they are like a Butler from from the years that Butler made the back to back runs. They're just a good, solid team. Yeah, they defend. They run good offense. They've got a. They don't have like a superstar, but they have a bunch of guys that can make shots and and make plays. I think they they have what I think seven guys. I know this isn't a, a huge deal, just a stat I saw, right. but seven guys that won a state championship in yes, high school. That's correct. Uh, and one guy that won whatever the hell they call it in Canada. Um, eh. Um, so I mean, they've got dudes that know how to to get it done. The, ba- the, the bacon bowl, the bacon, yeah, the bacon bowl, yeah, uh, the, the Canadian bacon, bacon bowl. bowl, exactly. Um, they got guys that know how to play, and, yeah. and they're playing really well right now. And you got to tip your hat to them. They they took out Miami, they took out Tennessee, they took out Nevada, and then you know Kansas State wasn't much of a challenge. Kansas State shot their uh, shot their shot. I guess we'll have to say on sure. this podcast, sure. shot their shot against Kentucky. Yeah, I. I didn't think much of Kansas State, but God love them, they got the Elite Eight. Rick refuses to watch them. Loyola is unique in the fact that they play a really slow style, really deliberate, but they're actually still pretty fun to watch offensively yeah. because they pass Cut, the ball they so move, well, yeah. they have good pace, they're very crisp. I, I have enjoyed watching their run for the most part, and they do a great job because they always make you sit down and guard them for 25, 30 seconds of the shot clock. They do a great job of not letting – transition points beat them like if they miss a three they always are back in transition and don't get beat on that and what they aren't getting a lot of credit for outside of nevada they beat some really good defensive teams right Uh, miami's good defensively tennessee is very good defensively kansas state is very good defensively um kansas state is very good defensively and woeful offensively yes correct so yeah, no but they make kansas state's defense look sick really really bad for about 30 minutes of that game. And it was layup after layup after layup. And like Rick said, they make you sit down and guard for 25 seconds. And next thing you know, bang, cut, pass, layup. And you're like, well, we defended for 25 seconds and gave up an easy basket. Great. All right. Where's, you have an open wound on your body because I'll pour the salt in it. As a, as a UC coverer, and, and for those UC fans, how much, though, when you see them get there, does it make you want to vomit? I mean, it, for me, it does. For a lot of Clearly, it makes a lot of people because sure. I've heard nothing but. For me, like, it's the tournament. Like I just, it, it is what it is. I I don't. But I I think you you as a fan, right or wrong, you'd feel better if Virginia got there, right? I mean, you just would. It's Maybe, the one seed. Yeah, I mean, fans, even Kentucky or Arizona. Yeah, sure. I mean, I I get that to a point, but but that's being awfully arrogant and thinking you were going to beat Loyola. 
No, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Because you had to play Loyola in the Sweet 16, and, and there's one common opponent, and Loyola smoked Florida for the most part. Yep. And Cincinnati couldn't get it done on a neutral at, court. At Florida. They went to neutral. Florida and beat Florida and looked way better than Florida in the process. You see in Florida looked about even uh, on a neutral floor. Like, I, I don't I – don't, I guess my brain just doesn't – like, I, I, I've got a, a grasp on the tournament. Like, it, it – you can't go back and, and – and blow your brains out over, well, we should have been there or we could have been there. Like, yeah, you should have beat Nevada, but that doesn't guarantee that you're beating Loyola. That doesn't guarantee that you're even beating Kansas State. That could have been no doubt. Could 48, 47. Yeah. No, I mean, no doubt. so but, but I get you, the but, frustration. Right. I you, get the frustration. When you see a bracket fall apart, though, that's the frustration. I yeah. think that's yeah. more more than it is that Loyola or an 11 seed got there. I think it's that you looked at the bracket and there was no overwhelming team, no team with an overwhelming star. No, you know, it wasn't DeAndre Ayton that made the run. It was like, well, what are you going to do to stop that? Yes, no, no one had a guy or or something about them that made you think we would have had no chance against that. That five been of the hard top to six were out before the Sweet 16. Yes, and then Kentucky was out in the Sweet 16. So I I get the misery. I get that as a fan that. And maybe this is the one area where I'm not doing this. I've become not a fan as much because you cover this at the end, you know, and at the end of every year, the season ends and immediately you're either in coaching search mode right. or you're in recruiting mode or you're talking about, I think UC starts workouts this week. Who's uh, leaving the team? Yeah, like you instantly, it just, once that game ends, then it's it's on to the next. And I, I, granted, I was, I still have a hard time placing the exact emotion on what I felt. For two days, I was probably what I would say disappointed. I, I think, look, and look, I have no allegiance to the University of Cincinnati other than I've worked in this market. I have no allegiance to Xavier. I, I, I'm a Kentucky graduate, but I really don't have allegiance there. I felt more sad. I just I felt was disappointed sad. for Gary and Kyle. Like, yeah, yeah, I, just, I was disappointed because it was there for them. To become one of those teams yes. in, in UC history. And they didn't take advantage of it. That was disappointing. but it, And that's where, I, I guess from the coach and me, I have no control over this, so it's hard for me to feel any emotion anyway. I, if it's a team I'm coaching, I got control over it. I can feel that. But I can also walk away going, look, I, I had my hands on this. If, if we lost, that's me. If we win, kids did some good things. And I think it's, it's just sitting back and watching. When you, don't have, you have no control other than you're just watching. What can you do about it, right? right? You can do nothing about it. But I just don't, like, I guess from a fan's perspective, I don't get what good it does as a human to beat yourself up for, we're going seven days now over something that yeah. you didn't have any control of. Like, I get that fanatic get, as fan. I yes, get it. Like, yes. I just don't like people, you know, when, it, when Loyola won uh, Saturday, oh my God, oh my God, this makes it worse. Like, let's dig the knife deeper. And I, I just... That's not how my brain works, so I, I don't know. Yeah, to me, I really don't understand that specific thing for the UC and Xavier fan bases because it's like, and one, maybe, maybe even Kentucky too, the way the bracket shook down too. Well, but but, but Kentucky's so fan base right. is so different because yeah, of their right. success. Right. With UC and Xavier, it's more like to me, it'd be like you watch a team like that do it, and you go, "Hey, we can we can do that. Right. Like that's that is achievable. That is possible. This was the year to do it because there wasn't that dominant team, especially on that side of the bracket that they were both on. But that would give me hope. And then also the fact that you saw all the ridiculous play out that we saw on the bracket. Who would say, yeah, well, sometimes it is a one game scenario. You know, like 
sometimes you didn't hit the shots that you needed to hit or whatever happens and you get kind of a fluky result and you lose a game. But like we saw that all across the tournament for teams that probably should have won their game and didn't. I think the most like if I it was speaking personally, I was thinking about this last night. I think the one thing that like I would be kind of like disappointed or upset that, that this was that chance maybe that will only chance that we'll get for a crosstown shootout final, final four. four right and it would have been crosstown shootout in the first game followed by two one seeds Kansas and Villanova in the other game that would have been something that would it like that would have been wild for this town like that I that I look at that and I go damn like both of them had the opportunity to make that happen and both of them failed to get it done on that stupid ass Sunday night in Nashville I totally that you're right and I totally get that but to me that's more of like a you look back and think that because yeah, yeah, yeah. when it first came out I never thought no no no, 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 no way I thought that last teams, night like yeah. last night when when both of those games were done and watching as everything played out it like it hit me like you know what it really could have been a crosstown final four like yeah. that would have just been unbelievable for this city and for it to end like it did instead of that yeah it sucks but i'm over it uh, let's, let's touch on kentucky uh, clearly yeah clearly <laughs> over it more so than a lot <laughs> what did i say that didn't i just it crossed my mind that a crosstown final four would have been was a couple, was, couple was of attainable. pops in things cross your mind rick yeah. that's how stuff goes you know how that happens i get it um before the tournament started, and back in February, January, I said I didn't think Kentucky was a second weekend team. They obviously did, and then were situated to be the team that probably should have gotten out of that that pod to get to the Final Four. When you look back at the Kansas State game, what 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 happened that you saw that that, that really caused Kentucky to lose? I mean, I guess the same thing we saw all year from Kentucky that we said I mean, they just couldn't score consistently enough. And Kansas State's a good defense. I get all that, but. I, I don't I'll be honest with you. I just it's so hard for me to even talk about anything this Kansas State team did because it was so it was so awful watching them in the tournament. Their style is trash. It is the worst to watch. They're a middling average power conference team that was obviously well tested because of the conference they play in, but it was just a brutal game to watch, quite honestly. It was low skill level, low shot making, and Kentucky made me look like a complete idiot after lose like if they got to the no. second weekend which was fine but then you lose to that kansas state team every, all the goodwill you had tried to build up out the that, window i think that's just because you hate kansas this got kansas state team yes <laughs> you're yes. being extra hard on yourself because you specifically hate watching that team play basketball yes but it had they won that game then it's like oh yeah like you were right this kentucky team isn't that bad but as it is it's like who'd they really beat in the tournament and then they lost to that kansas state team yeah you lost any chance you had of making me feel good about that, Kentucky. Um, that was a bad loss. Should, should, we've, we've worked on the free throw shooting with a lot of other people, right? We've got Chris Mack's team straight. We had him straighten out for well, a while. Well, I, I want to I say something about yes. that. If you're a Kentucky fan and you're blaming P.J. Washington for what happened, you are an absolute clown of a human being. Agreed. Because well, that team, is lo- they lose by 20 points. Because P.J. Washington was the only dude that brought his lunch pail and went to work in that He game. was an animal. Did, animal. Did he not run and shoot his free throws the day before is my question. Would Probably they that, not. Would they do that silly, no. that silly practice? They let him shoot him early in practice. They were trying to shame. save they, his legs. They let him down. They were trying. Yeah. They let, him, let down. him down. I will say, I've never seen a guy that scared at the foul line in my life. He, it was going south and he knew it. <laughs> 
Man, going south in a hurry. It's almost like, please, don't foul me again. Please, for goodness sake. It's like when Rick's on a date. Look on her face. Yeah, he knows quickly. Whether it's good (laughs) or bad. Whether it's in or out. No pun intended. (laughs) I'll I'll just leave that one there. There you go. There's nothing good that I can say there. Yeah, probably not. You know what I'm tired of? I'm tired of the uh, the John Calipari uh, broken record. Uh oh, dude. We're young. We're young. It's the we're okay. Give these kids some time. They they when they get there, uh, whatever poop and ice cream stupid line that he uses, Uh, and then it's it's Camp Cal, and then it's we're young, and then it's these guys are figuring it out, and then inevitably outside of one time they get bounced in the tournament, and it's it's my fault. I thought Cal was your guy. I, I just, but this—it's the same thing over and over. He just uses—it's the same book, some, and he just turns chapter by chapter by chapter every year, and it's just getting tiring. Well, I, look, Cal's got his his, his methodology, right? I know, I, and it works. And I, I just—he's just a salesman. He's a marketer. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like get it, like change the mix the chapters up, like reverse the book around, you know. And I'm starting look, to think after this year. There's like three good coaches in the country, three coaches in the country that are good at end of game situations. There are a lot that are not. I, I'm still trying to figure out what the, what the play Kentucky tried to run at the end there was. I, I, like, really, I really how don't many know. Ta- like, we, like three times this year, Wichita State with Greg Marshall, who's supposed to be a great coach, their end of game, we looked at them and went, what in the hell are you doing? Use, use, the, use the short ball white What guy. are you doing? He's a playmaker. Give he's it to Fran Camp. That's our play. He's a baller. But, like, how many coaches have we seen in tight, close situations are just losing their mind? We won't even get into Leonard Hamilton shaving points last well, night. We're, we're going to touch on that here in a second. But, um, but well, at no, the yeah, end of that game, Cal panicked. Two, two for one sit scenarios they don't get. They don't do very well, especially in, in a longer shot clock. I mean, they, they just – they really are. The end of game scenarios are not very good. The Leonard Hamilton one is still baffling to me. I'm, I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, how you still have some life in you and you just decide, ah, we're good. Now, in a contest I'm in, I had Michigan getting four, or rather Florida State getting four and a half. I was more than happy. So did Leonard team. Hamilton. And so apparently did Leonard Hamilton. Yes. That was bizarre. It, Call him off. It's, we're good. it's one of those things where. Jimmy, you got that ticket still from Vegas? We'll go there on our way back. You're not going to win that game. But it's the tournament, and crazier things have happened yes. this year in the tournament. David Paget would like a word. Yeah, <laughs> fair, <laughs> fair enough. What was it four points with one second? I mean, but well, I mean, what are the uh, you know? It's no, like ninety eight percent of the time you lose that game, but it's the tournament, and crazy things happen. You don't just stop. And like, I saw a team lose a twenty two point lead in in twelve minutes. That's fair. This was four points in what twelve seconds. It, yeah, it, it, it's probably not likely. You're right, but it's at least you got to you got to go down kicking. Yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah. If you don't want to do this in a in a November 28th game where you just go, you know, oh, we're good. We played our ass off. It's time to go home. We're we're good. Not the last seconds of the last game of the season. The yeah. final four is on the line. That's all. I I I do wonder because something he kind of said when he was in that heated interview last night was along the lines of there were certain guys on their team we wanted to foul. And other guys we didn't. And I wonder if one of his players just was not really smart enough to realize the situation. Realize with 12 seconds left, you have to foul whoever anybody, has like the any, ball. Anybody. And he didn't want to throw that kid under the bus. If so, I, you know what I mean? Like, I can kind of see how that happens. And they it's ran not out, smart. And, and, he and, maybe, his, and he took his last time out with what? It, it, it was, there was a, a decent amount of time left. So he had no other timeouts to communicate yeah. some of that stuff either. So everything you're trying to communicate is on the fly. The kid looked at the bench. 
Yeah, and, yeah, and, I mean, and, and you have automatic foul calls too. I mean, you're yelling a certain call, or you're you're chopping your arm just to say anytime, you know, whatever. And you would think you've coached the kids well enough right. to where they know what to do in that situation. You but need to teach them the foot stomp. Foot stomp. The look. They they all look on the foot stomp. Foot stomp works. I mean, Leonard mm-hmm. Hamilton is seventy. Leonard Hamilton gets around pretty well for a 70-year-old man. He, he carries 70 well. He carries 70 great. Oh, what do you think he, like, is it some kind of, like, skin cream? <laughs> product, or is he just, like, a, a smooth-looking 70-year-old just dude? Just a smooth-looking 70-year-old dude. I'm giving him credit for it. Black does not crack. Like, it don't all look like that at 70. <laughs> I mean, you have to remember, he was an assistant on Kentucky's 1978 National Championship team and a really highly thought of assistant. Uh, like, a, like a veteran assistant. Yes, correct. <laughs> I mean, I was born in 77. Th- think about how long that means that man's been coaching. And Sister Gina just retired from her third trip around the convent. <laughs> exactly right. That's exactly right. Oh, my. No Are we, you know, it, it is funny. Mi- Michigan, and maybe just because the way the brackets all shook itself out, they kind of got through, but they're good. And I, and I think they they started to show that towards the end of the year and in the Big Ten tournament. They're, when they shoot, yeah, they're excellent. Yeah, when well, they I like don't, their, parts. their defense is good enough to win. Yeah, that that was one of those things where at the end of the the year, all of a sudden, everyone got really high on them because they won the Big Ten tournament and they looked good doing so. And it and felt, we trashed the Big it, Ten all year too, and rightfully so. But yeah, right. And it felt set up for just like, oh man, people are all over this team because they won a couple games against Big Ten competition. But like, you got you got to give people credit here on this one. Like, this team absolutely did get hot in the Big Ten tournament and have carried that into the NCAA tournament with them. They've been a really good team now for about a month. Or right. maybe about a month right. and a half, um, if you go back a few weeks before the Big Ten tournament started, where they're starting to figure things out. This is a, I mean, you got to give credit to obviously there's some young talented players that are that are making strides. Xavier Simpson, Jordan Poole, for example. But you do have to give some credit to Beeline here. I mean, he's done no a really good job. And with this, this is team. the first time he's done. I mean, he's made some good runs. Is he a top five coach in the country? That stuff's so hard to it, rank it because hard. it goes year to year, yeah, right? But, but I would tell you from a from but just year to um, but year to year. He's and, and there. And some of the things he did at West Virginia, um, in into now what he's done at Michigan, I, I would tell you this: he would be if 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 I had a kid to to go play for somebody, he'd be one of the top on my list that I'd say go play for that guy. I mean, I, I like a lot of things that he does. Who who is who's on that list? Like if if I think like that's the guys, best way. In guys, yeah. you have confidence in like yeah. I think that's the best way to answer it. Is like if I have a kid who's a five star talent. Who do I feel most comfortable sending him to? Who would be on our list? I mean, if I had a five star kid, I'd feel most comfortable sending him to Cal. I would too. Yeah, would be in my, with NBA aspirations, yes. Cal yeah. would be in my top five. Um, but I don't know if I had a a four star kid that that was skilled but needed development. I don't know if Cal would be that guy. Well, right, let's see. Let's let's take the five star kid out of it. Let's just okay. take you got a really good high school player that you know is not going to be a one and doneer. He's top be, top fifty. Yeah, top he's going to be around. Beeline would be there, but he's definitely going to play also. So you don't have to be like, oh, he's yeah, going to get yeah. recruited over. Jay Wright would be there. Yeah, I would absolutely. And, and, I think Jay Wright would this, be maybe my number one. Ten years ago, he might not have been there. Really. No. Because ten years ago he was he, he was he, struggling in the middle of the Big East correct. and was kind of stuck in a rut. Correct. But, but he's earned it now. He, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, people are kind of trashing him recently, but because of his March performance. But Izzo's got to be on that yeah. list. Yeah, Izzo, right? I, I, Izzo though is getting that stage where I just I'm not sure my trust factors where it used to be on many fronts. But that's fair. Um, I, you said and yeah, Jay Wright. Yeah, Jay Wright would be my number one. Um, I think I'd agree with that. Yeah, Tom Izzo would be somewhere in there. Cal would be in my top five. Bill Self? 
He's done good things at three places, that's, fellas. That's he a has. tough one. He's done good things at three places. See, I, I was, almost like dude, how how is he not in a way? Right, but right. I never come away with that. Imp- I don't know how. Like Let he wins his conference every year. Bruce Weber, literally. Is, Bruce Weber's not on this list, but Bruce Weber took Southern Illinois to a Sweet Sixteen. He took Illinois to a Final Four. He took this trash Kansas State team to an Elite Eight. Somewhere, right or wrong, Chad Demuzi is smiling at you right now. I mean, I hope he's at Planet Fitness oh, listening to this on a treadmill, yeah, just laughing. No, but he, but. He, it's funny. I guess that's how you are defined, right? I'm defining Bruce Weber based on taking Southern Illinois to a Sweet 16, Illinois to a Final Four, and and uh, and this Kansas State team to an Elite Eight. And I, that was a nice shout out for Bruce Weber. But there's no way you have him in this no, list. No, 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 not in this list. I'm just talking about just in, I'm just talking about in general. Just how when, we, when, we judge. Coaches. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about with Bill Self. Bill I, Self did some what took Tulsa to an Elite Eight, right? Yeah. Um, did good things in Illinois, and and obviously has done great things in Kansas. I I would I would have Beeline in the top five in this group. Um, I, I think this year might be the year that puts him over the hump because for the longest time, what I would, would have considered him is a top five offensive coach in the country. And this year he's shown different team, not as skilled as some of the other ones he's had. So they're doing it with defense. Right. I, I think that for me, that would jump him up. And I, I still hate the way he handled the UC Michigan series. I think it was crap. Um, but more of that, the more I learn about it, is is at the feet of Whit Babcock than it is at the feet of John Beeline. A handful of years ago, this would have included Brad Stevens and Billy Donovan on my list. Without, no, but without Billy Donovan yeah. without fail and Brad Stevens too. Yeah, right. What, what? Yeah. Yeah, but taking those two out of the mix at the college level makes this, I think, more interesting. It mm-hmm. makes it a little bit tougher because if not, you have an easy five, I well, think. What you've done is you've opened up two of those spots that people are – there's no kind of solid answer for. Right, and I think Sean Miller has like – he was sort of creeping up that list a little bit a few years ago, and now he's kind of fallen out of it definitively <sighs> at this point. Yeah. Did you I put mean, Roy Williams in the mix? I did not have I Roy Williams, but I think I it. I think I would have Roy Williams as my on my list. And I will say as a, as a credit to Roy, what he was able to do as North Carolina and say whatever you will about what the NCAA did with North Carolina, but for Roy Williams to keep that ship afloat when they couldn't recruit at the highest level, they weren't landing the kids that Kentucky and Duke and and whatever were landing. Right. He readjusted. He landed some different type of kids. And still was able to win a national championship last year through all of that. It would be hard to keep him off that list. Yeah, I agree, and I love his style. I mean, like partially is my own bias that just I love giving your players that type of freedom, letting them play, and still being a really good coach that has right. consistent success. All right, so let's touch on the other side of the bracket real quickly. Um, Villanova has been our kind of our team all year that we said we trusted the most, and they've done really nothing in this tournament. Got off to a slow start against Texas Tech, down seven nothing, but still turn around, go up thirteen at the half, and and you know, got a little push to what got down to five. But again, they're the one team I trust the most, and they they've they've done nothing to dissuade me. Today was the day to beat them. Maybe they shot sixteen percent right. from three. Right, like that's that's what you you have to catch them on one of those days. To beat them. Right, and they still win by double digits. And they won by 13 or 12 or 13 yeah. or whatever the hell it was. Like, I, it's what we've said all year, Rick. I trust them by far more than anybody else. Yeah, and Texas Tech just wasn't built to exploit them. Um, and you that's the thing about Villanova. You have to do so. You have to get them on a bad shooting night, or yes. otherwise it's almost impossible to stop them and, and beat them because of how skilled they are on the offensive end. In addition to that, you still have to do so many things well to beat them. Like, they rebound. They at this point they're defending at a pretty high level. They're up to thirteenth. They're up to thirteenth on defense, and yeah. they weren't in the top twenty. They were just outside the top twenty going in the tournament. So some of this is, is there was one point where St. John's was the highest rated Ken Palm defense in the Big East at twenty seven. 
midway through the year, the Big East season even, they were not a right. very good team defensively. But they got guys healthy again. I think guys were having to play a little bit less minutes, or fewer minutes, I should say. And it, it became uh, – I mean, they've, they've turned it around. And credit Jay Wright for that, too. They yeah. got Phil Booth back, too. That. Yeah, no, that helped uh, a ton. That's yeah, what I'm saying. saying. They, they, they got healthy, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's the thing. I mean, even like today, Bridges and, and, and Brunson in the first half didn't do a whole lot, but they got other dudes. I mean, they just got, they got four or four, five other dudes. Amari Spellman's playing, He's playing really great. well right yeah, now. Yeah, that, that's the thing. You're right. You can say, let's take that guy away, or let's take maybe those two guys away. Okay, great. You can you can do that all you want, whatever you want to gimmick it. The other three guys will beat you. Dante I, it, DiVincenzo is playing real. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, they have three legit NBA guys in Bridges, definitely. Yes. And then Brunson, I think everyone agrees, is going to play in the NBA, regardless of how successful he is. And then Spellman, I think, is clearly an NBA guy. He's shown his versatility. and He's shown enough away from the basket now that I think you're right. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't know exactly where he fits in or when that is, but right. I think he's going to play in the NBA. And then, I mean, like, is David Chenzo possibly an NBA? Like, they might have four NBA players on this team. Which is a big difference from their title team. Right. When the knock on that team was they didn't have any pros. And that was yeah. that was why people were not picking them to win. The, yeah. the whole, you better have two or three NBA guys now, to win now, the he, now if he's got three or four pros, and he's, he's just, just really good. Right. He's just really good at what he does. The, the, I mean, Kansas obviously has a chance, but what does Kansas have? I mean, do they have to shoot the ball out of their minds? Do they... Because I'm not sure. They're not a very good defensive team. I'm not here to tell I just, you. I yeah, think I don't they, think they can stop Right. I don't either. Yeah, and I think Devontae Graham's going to have to win that battle in the backcourt. Like, he's going to have to get in the lanes and create plays, not just for himself, but for the rest of that offense, because otherwise they just become a lesser version of what Villanova wants right. to do, and you're not going to get enough good looks and, and create enough offense. If he gets in the lane and, and gives Brunson problems defensively or Booth, whoever's guarding him, maybe even Bridges, heck, I don't know how they're going to play that out. Probably, I would think Bridges and, and Newman would be on each other, which should be a, a really good matchup. A, a really fun matchup. Yeah, I, as goofy as it sounds, I, I think both games will be will be fun games. I think the Michigan Loyola matchup is a is it'll be a good matchup. I do too. This can be low scoring. Yeah. It's, I think you could have one game that's fifty is sixty one fifty eight, and the other game is eighty three seventy six. So I, the, the styles would be contrasting, but I think they both could be fun. Although, if Michigan gets in that mode where they're making shots, they're a freight train. I mean, we've what was it Gonzaga? No, Texas A&M. Or Texas, Texas A&M. Yeah, Texas A&M. That all of a sudden it was just an avalanche and there was nothing Texas A&M could do. And they do. were just feeding off of it too, man. Yeah. It was one guy feeding off the other guy feeding off the next guy. It was it was a complete avalanche for goodness sakes. Let's move to the coaching change Drink. portion of the program. Um, the, the, I'll call for this the, 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 the you've got Michigan and Villanova in the finals, I assume. I, I, no, I'm going with Loyola. I, I they just they're one of those teams you can't kill. They're they're the Butler of those two years of Butler got to the finals and eventually eventually the big dog the big dog got you and that's what's on the other side is one of the two big dogs and I think Villanova will get them I think they get there but I think Villanova gets them Chad I, I think Villanova Michigan with with Villanova winning the title and is there any possibility though if Loyola makes it to the finals that the Big East kicks out to Paul and, and <laughs> gives gives Loyola to Paul's new gym. And, and and makes that move. Um, I think the Big East has already put in that petition. I don't think it matters what happens in this game. The problem is it's not going to work out. Like, where would DePaul finish in the Valley? First, second, somewhere near the top. I, I'm going to go third. Okay. I'm going right, to go third enough. this fair year. Enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Didn't Loyola finish third? 
No, they won the Valley. They finished 16 and 2 in the Valley. Okay. So, but uh, they would have been out of the tournament if they had lost the Valley tournament. That is correct. Yes. They would not have they would not have been an at large team, I don't believe. In fact, I don't think they would have been close. That's uh, that's again, seeding needs to do a better job. The committee needs to do a better job of that team was not an 11 seed. Like I don't know. I mean, you've skated by you skated by in 3 rounds though, dude. I mean, if you played this tournament again tomorrow, they could very easily be out in round No, one. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying they deserved probably something better than an 11. Did they beat Florida at Florida? Yes. They went 16 and 2 in the conference. And Florida they won was, the conference tournament. Florida was a 6 seed. I mean, that to me says I would say this. I, that, that, here, they, I they beat Kansas State like a drum, right? Yeah. Kansas State was what, a nine? A or nine. Whatever the heck they were, yeah. That's my thing. Like, I think there is too much weight when the, the, the seeding is done. Based on your conference. All of those teams that are at the at the middle of the power conferences are basically just given seven through ten. Yes. I think teams like Loyola have done more to prove that they are, especially Loyola, well, yeah, with the win over Florida. Winning at Florida's big. You're right. Well, have done more to but, to get up into I mean, those spots. But but why why do you think that they've got one win over Florida? If you look at a team like Kansas State, they probably have six wins over a team like Florida think, because of the conference they play in. So how how Kansas do you State do, went zero and eight against the top of the Big Twelve? I think the problem how is, do you do it fairly when and the resumes aren't going to match up? That part's a great question because I, I think unfortunately in the leagues like the Valley, the the, the fourth place team down and especially the bottom part just sucks the life yeah. out of the rest of that league it just sucks it dry and you have no chance to to improve your resume once you get inside your league whereas kansas state all it takes is getting a couple of three wins at home over quality teams and suddenly your resume is even better when loyola really doesn't have a chance to do that i'm not telling you that they've done it wrong and at the end of the day they, they matched up head to head and guess what loyola proved it was the better team if they played a seven game series I'm taking Loyola in six. I mean, they're, five. they're maybe five. Yeah. I know, like, the A-10 and, and probably even you know, definitely even Conference USA back in the day when UC was playing in it, a little bit different than the Valley. They, you know, they would get a couple tournament teams a lot of times, whatever. But Xavier and UC, we've seen this. Like, when they wanted a better seed in the NCAA tournament, they had to schedule like crazy in their non-conference. No, they had to go out and play a bunch of people. It, and I keep hearing, oh, it's too hard. No one wants to play us because we're good and they're afraid they might lose. You know what? It doesn't matter. Somehow, some way, Xavier and Cincinnati used to find a way to do that. They'd go play yes. other people's gyms. They'd go do whatever they had. They'd be a buy game. Whatever it requires you to do, they would go find the necessary necessary games to raise their tournament seed. And you may have a ceiling. You may be only able to get a five or six seed. But you can still get that if you schedule appropriately. Don't disagree. The only thing for, for, for a school like a Loyola um, is... I'm not sure you know how good you're really going to be going into a year, right? Yeah. So you don't, you, and that's fine. But that's like you are going to take some lumps. Well, then. yeah, and I, I didn't hear that. I, maybe they were. I didn't hear them complaining about the seed. No, no. I'm just saying personally. I think they I probably know. should have been a yeah. spot or two higher. I just hear that. I hear that argument all the time, and I don't. I don't well, necessarily disagree. It's right. wrong in hindsight, but how do you do it when the resumes say what they say? Yeah, fair enough. Like, how are maybe you going to make it fair? Figure out a way to look at them different to. Give a little bit more credit to a team in the valley, but we can, wins the valley. But we can look at it however you want. Regardless, you're going to look at it. Okay, who are the teams they beat? Who are the teams that this team beat? And if this team beat eight teams that are as good as the one team that you beat in the non-conference, how do you decide? Oh, but their resume is yeah, better. The resu resume suggests better. It's that just you like to me. You better be perfect like they were in their conference where you go 16-2 or whatever or don't even lose, period. Right. And then you better have more than just one non-conference win. you got to have three of them. 
And that's not going to be easy to do. I understand that. But it's what everyone's had to do in the past. This isn't new. Yeah, and you're not getting a home and home, and you're not getting two for one. I mean, you're just not doing it. Right. If you get two for one, you're lucky. Very. You're fortunate. You, you somehow got a school that has decided they want to take their 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 star, and, and it's it's his hometown, or that's as close as he's going to get. It's the only way you're going to get a game like that. Um, so I, let's, let's talk uh, coaching changes. Um, a coaching change coming to a school near us pretty soon, obviously, with, with Chris Mack likely to, to Louisville. Do you have a timeline at all, Rick, on, on when that might get done? Yeah, we're recording this Sunday night. Uh, Chris Mack and Louisville have already officially met. Um, I think there's an official offer on the table now for Chris. And I, I think the expectation now is that Louisville will hire Vince Tyra, uh, take the interim title off, off him as athletic, athletic director. director, make him the full-time athletic director. Um, and then after that gets done, I think it's – any time we're within the window where there could be an announcement that Chris Mack will be the, the new head coach at Louisville. I think a lot of people are talking about the decision and whether this gets dragged out or anything like that. I think Chris has known that this Louisville job was going to come open for the entire year. No question. So there is a difference. I, like I kind of talk about it like it's recruiting. Kids come on visits and they'll tell a coaching staff, oh, I'm coming here. Like You'll talk about it as if the kid is already committed. And the kid will be committed in your mind to you and him. And maybe, but, even, but, maybe even it is mine, but it's not the freshest place he went. But he hasn't but, said it. Right. But, but like he hasn't made it. He right. hasn't made that announcement. And once you put the official official offer on the table and says, "Okay, like let's make this public now," go announce it. Or that's when you find out if the kid is really committed, sure. right? So Chris has thought about this all year without question. So I think he has an idea. I don't think it's going to be dragged out. At the same time, I do think there is still a hard decision for him now that the actual offer is on the table. He knows. Everything that they're offering, you know, is everything that Xavier is countering with. There is going to be a tough decision still to be made because it's that now it's real. Now you have to announce it. And there is allegiance for him and Xavier. I mean, this isn't 100%. just like it's, it's not like some some places where you just pass through and you're coming up the chain and you're looking for the next best thing. There isn't a there's a real tie and allegiance to Xavier that yeah, money can separate that. And you're right. The whole time you're thinking about it, you're thinking, man, what this is this is flattering. This is gratifying. I probably will do it because it's hard to pass up the money. And then when push comes to shove, there is still a hard decision to make here. This is Cincinnati sports, man. You're either with us or you're against us. Chris Mack takes the Louisville job. He's dead to me. Said every Xavier fan everywhere but three. But no, But I think from a decision standpoint, he's going to make the decision for Louisville because it's the prudent decision to make. But I don't think it's as easy. Everybody goes, well, you're getting double paid. It still isn't that easy. There is an allegiance to him and Xavier. Yeah, I mean – like, this should be a no-brainer for anyone sure. in the country to do. And with it, I think it's a tough decision for him. But I still think Louisville is in a spot right now where Chris Mack has all of the leverage. They have made this a one-man coaching search. They are in the position they are with the NCAA and FBI, which whatever their sanctions may or may not end up being, it doesn't matter. Any incoming coach is going to have major concerns about it and is going to require certain things in compensation for those concerns, which whether it's more years on the contract, whether it's a bigger buyout, whether it's just more dollars, whatever, you're going to ask for the world if you're a coach coming into the Louisville job. And my guess is Chris Mack being their target and being their guy, he's going to get that type of offer. He's going to get the the offer you can't refuse. And so, yeah, I, I, I think he's going to end up being the new coach at Louisville. All right, so then the timeline turns to Xavier how long do you think that timeline works itself out we've talked to some possible candidates already on the on the podcast they've been thrown out there people know know at least some names that are being banded about but but how long do you think that process lasts probably not very 
I really don't know. I mean, I, I would think it would take a little, a little bit at least. Um, people want these well, things to well, be I'm so not, quick. I'm not saying it's going to happen the next day. I'm not. But Wednesday. Replacement by Wednesday. People are talking about this Louisville Chris Mack thing is being drug out. Like Louisville season just ended six days ago, and we've only had three business days since that happened. So, um, I don't, I don't know exactly how fast people expect it to happen. I think Xavier will take probably a couple weeks, if not more. Um, you're going to have to interview more than one guy. This isn't sure. Louisville going after one guy. This is Xavier saying, we're at a new level since the last time we had to hire a coach. We've got a new athletic director. And while Travis Steele is the associate head coach and is in place and is a guy that should get strong, strong consideration no for this job and should probably be even considered the front runner for it at this point, they're going to interview and talk to other candidates and do their due diligence. And so I would think you interview him, you interview at least two or three other guys that you're very serious about. Porter Moser? And I think Porter Moser would be on the list that they'd call. I think Eric Musselman would be on the list that they'd call. We're just talking about names that would make sense after what yes, we've seen sure. recently. Um, and we're going to, I mean, if Chris Mack does take the Louisville job, I will have a hot board up at musketeerreport.com with all the names that we think are logical, some that we've gotten directly from sources involved in the process and others that just kind of make sense that would probably get a call. And there, there is at least one really interesting name for Xavier fans in there. You can find it at musketeerreport.com. We've got your, your first month right now is a penny. If you want to sign up during all this coaching stuff, sign up for a penny right now. You can get all that. But I think it's, I don't expect it to be super quick for them, a super quick turnaround and just say, oh, that's our guy, let's do it. I think they're going to take their time and make the right call. And, and I think Greg Christopher is one very capable very intelligent and two i also think he's kind of a big thinker like i think he thinks highly of the xavier coaching position and is going to think he can get a really good candidate and he should i mean because that, that position is isn't are you going to get an interview flyby. i don't think so i'll, I'll, I'll throw my are name you going to submit your resume uh, yeah i probably will just do, yeah why not why wouldn't you? Why, why not see yeah. see if i can go through the process see how it goes what are, what are you going to tell him when he asks your opinion on playing with playing five on four um I've done it. I'll I'll do it again if I feel I feel it's required. I'll it's, I'll do it again. I love that. Po- he has actually has a policy on it, and it's I'll do it again. Let, let's interview him for the Xavier job right now. I, speaking of which, I saw a tweet today. And I just want to share it because I I laughed out loud at it. It was I guess some some AAU coach somewhere who sent ten players out to start yeah, a game. I saw it. Yeah, and the referee said you can only play five. He said no, these are my starting lineup. So he hits him with a T to the point where the AAU coach turned around to the parents and said, "See, I can't start all of them. Love it." Great, Love it. great move by yeah, the, the, the official basically was like, you have to get those kids off the court. And the coach yeah. was like, can't do it. So he went, he threw the ball up, stop. T. I understand what Skinny just explained. That's yeah. awesome. How good is that? Un- unbelievable. That's yes. a great move. It is a great move. You got to do that. Uh, absolutely. And the problem is there are going to be a lot of copycats on that one. Yeah, probably. We're going to see that at not, every I'm, AAU I'm tournament yeah, this summer. Not, I don't think I'd even pull that one. I'd pull the five on four again. Came close to doing it this season, but didn't didn't have to quite get there. So, fortunately, yes, fortunately, uh, Danny Hurley takes the UConn job. Right decision, Home run. wrong decision. Home run. No, I'm not talking about for UConn. I'm talking about for him. Home run. Okay. Well, was he going to go to Pitt? I, that's my question. Right decision, wrong decision. It, a great decision because UConn is still like granted UConn. they've they've taken a big step back over the last however many years, and you're going to have to build that back up. But you still have enough name recognition at UConn, enough history there. You're going to be able to recruit. You have good facilities, everything else. And you have a conference that you can easily win if you're UConn. So I would feel really good about taking that job as and opposed to competing. He's talk- going to recruit the East Coast yeah, with the last name, Hurley. And we've talked about how much how much the league needs UConn and Memphis, those teams that have been traditional powers, to get their, Penny's get their ass a, back up. Lil Penny's going to be uh, associate head coach in Memphis. Maybe he'll help. 
Los Lobos. Um, speaking of which, the, the Penny Hardaway hire in Memphis, it's, it's no surprise. Was that done dirty or was that just the way it was? The it should have been done two years ago. That's the problem with that. It is that was what should have been done when they – Tubby Smith made zero sense. That was never – I don't disagree with that. Ever going to work. Now you get Penny two more years of high school experience, coaching, head coaching experience. He wins two more state championships. Um, he gets – deeper ingrained with some of these kids that are coming up in the Memphis high school scene. Was that possibly the plan all along? Maybe. Because why do you hire a guy like Tubby who's I theoretically close to the end of his career anyway? My my whole thought was... That's, good. That's a good question. My whole thought was two years ago, they should have brought in someone that was going to be like... The bridge. The bridge. Maybe Tubby was with, the bridge. With Penny as the associate head coach. But or you Penny. Pay, do you pay Tubby you pay a Tubby that kind of money to be the bridge? There's a lot put, of money. I know. Or do you just I mean, the thing s- is, you have... At Memphis, you also have to make it look like you're trying. You can't just be like, oh, this is a guy that's in place for fair. two or three years. Like yeah, Those people want to see a big-name coach. So you kind of satisfied that being like, hey, we got Tubby Smith. That's a name. But yeah. we we're also going to get rid of him in three years with but, no but, questions asked. I mean, this was inevitable. Inevitable. There yeah. was nothing. Like, the minute Penny won that first Tennessee State Championship, he was going to be the head coach at Memphis. There was no turning back from that. Is he still coaching? Was he still coaching AAU too, or just just high school? No, well, no, he he started AAU. No, he he sponsored the team. I thought he coached them too. He did a little bit, but that wasn't. It was called something else when he started coaching them. Uh, okay, and then it became Team yeah, Penny, okay. and he kind of stepped back and was the director of and the then organization. Went, and then went and coached high school and coached high yeah. school, which most of his high school kids played in the Team Penny program, and then now. We'll see. I mean, right. he's going to get players, no doubt. He'll get players there. Memphis, like Memphis is. Larry Finch was a Memphis guy who got players. If Larry, you think, Larry just couldn't coach them. If you think Cincinnati is insular, the Memphis basketball scene, like that's all they want to do is stay home and rock for Memphis. Now you might see a guy like James Wiseman leave because he's the number one player in the 2019 class. But he's also played his last three years for Penny Hardaway. We've already seen the first domino fall with Alex Lomax, who is a kid I absolutely love. Um, He was on, if you remember the Penny 30 for 30, this all started when Penny came back to help a friend coach a fifth grade team. And they won nationals. And Alex Lomax was the point guard on that fifth grade team and has been the point guard at Memphis East for all the state championships was the Gatorade Tennessee Player of the Year as a sophomore and a junior, um, was committed to Wichita State because... And then, and then decommitted. It was, it, 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 it was signed, and Wichita let him out. And Wichita let him out, and now he's going to go. So that was the first domino to fall. I've made the argument many times. Rick might agree with me, might disagree with me. I've made the argument many times. In terms of top-tier talent, the city of Memphis produces more top-tier talent year over year than the entire state of Ohio. No, I haven't done the research on that. I'm not, I'm not going to make a ridiculous claim either way on that, but, I mean, Memphis does have a lot of talent. They do have a lot of talent. I mean, the old joke was, and, was Larry Finch back in the day could get in his Cadillac, drive around Memphis for 30 minutes, and be done recruiting in, in, in a 30-minute period. You've heard what what is likely going to happen in terms of his staff. Maybe, maybe haven't. No, I'm not. There's another very powerful AAU program in Tennessee called M33M. The first M standing for Mike. The 33 being the number. And then the last M standing for Miller. And Mike Miller is going to come back and be 
uh, an assistant coach on Penny's staff. Were they teammates ever along the way? Maybe. I don't know. They're friends. Yeah, I know they're friends. Um, So now you're looking at two of the most powerful programs in Tennessee are going to be funneling kids to the Memphis program. Talent-wise, we'll see if he can coach. But talent-wise, they're not going to be a problem. So UConn and Memphis, Memphis – in different ways, UConn, because Danny Hurley is a fantastic coach and also a very good recruiter. Memphis, because Penny is going to be bringing all of the, the – he's the Pied Piper of Memphis, basically. He's going to be bringing all of those kids into the program. The talent level at both of those places will go back up exponentially. And it needed to. It had to. Yeah. Um, the the, uh, the other part to it, um, obviously, I know John Brandon's name and Travis Steele's name were involved in Middle Tennessee. They end up hiring somebody else, but um, – uh, for, for John Brand, I know there's a hope for him that he will at least be a part of that Xavier search. Aside from that, let's just say in a perfect world, he got the Xavier job. Let, let's take the flip side out of that, that he gets nothing. Does John Brandon go anywhere else in your opinion, Rick? Uh, I mean, I can't answer that. I don't know if there might be – there could be domino effects yeah, right, down the line right. where, like, someone takes someone goes here, the goes Xavier to, job and right, then a, another sure. nice mid-major opens up and that he can more than right. double his salary at. Like, that was the thing at Middle Tennessee State. He ends up turning that job down, and that was – Going to double his salary, yeah, probably. That, more than double his salary from what I like. That's like a seven hundred thousand dollar a year. I job. think it's more than that. Minute, like like low end. That's a seven hundred thousand dollar a year job. It was man. pushing a million dollars, right? Close enough to it. What? They were paying uh, Kermit, Kermit Davis, Davis eight fifty. So there you go. Um, uh, the other part to that, NKU does lose a player, Carson Williams, who was uh, a key player both the last two years, but started to see his playing time decline a little bit. Not a ton, but he lost a few minutes here and there. Lost his spot in the starting lineup, opts to leave. That catch you by surprise? I, I, I know it caught some others by surprise, but does it also show that perhaps he starts to see writing on the wall that, look, they're just starting to get a little bit better player. And that's not a knock on Carson Williams because Carson Williams showed he could play at that level. But let's face it. If you're going to raise your program up, you were trying to do it through recruiting, and occasionally you get recruited over top of. Yeah, I mean, I thought Carson did uh, did a really good job at NKU. I th- think he's a nice piece. I still think he's a nice piece sure. in the Horizon League. I do, like, I, I clearly, I, I have not talked to him. I do right. not know why he made the decision. It might maybe something for some reasons we have no idea about. Um, but I do tend to think once you saw him lose his spot in the starting lineup last year, didn't play as much coming down the stretch in the final games. Then they've also got Silas Adiki, a 6'9", 240 athletic forward coming in. Who played well in the JUCO National Tournament. Yeah, played really well. It, You know, I, I think you're right. It might have been kind of writings on the wall here thing. Like, I was a starter my first two years, first year and a half, and now I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to be on the bench my last two years. That's probably not ideal, uh, a case for him. So, makes sense that he's leaving, um, but he was he was good while he was here. He had a great freshman year, and I don't think, Anyone will really forget. Anyone around here will forget that UK game yeah, the he way great. he played against yeah, Kentucky. He was, so. he, was, he was great. I mean, that's the dream for a for Absolutely. a kid like that, right? Mr. Basketball, no yep. question. All right, final take time for you, Chad Brennan. You got anything? No, I don't think I've got anything. Okay, appreciate that. That was well, well, well thought out, well planned. We've never done the last take thing, so just making sure. I just don't kinda, think I, I like. I, new, I don't think I have anything. anything. Okay, that's good. That's fine. Wish Kelly, wish Kelly luck. I will wish Kelly luck. Tell, she, tell people she, what she, she gets her. She, they start collecting stem cells this week. Um, they have to collect 5 million stem cells. What Seems kind like of period of time is that? It sounds like a hell of a lot. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Okay. Um, they hope to have it done. You know, they, they should have it done in that time frame. Not knowing um, how that works. Do you do that in like, is it like, how long does it take? You don't. The procedure. So what they, she had to do Friday is they inserted a port into her chest and she's got like, um, like um, 
red, white, and yellow cords oh, coming my. out of her heart, like a, a little thing. So she's like a um, like a like a PlayStation One. That have those little three things that you plug into a TV. You that's what they look like. You aren't right, that's man. what they look like. It's literally just a cord that's hanging down from her chest. Like it, that's what it looks like. Can I, I plug? don't want to know what type of games you guys can, are can playing. I, can I can I plug in, honey? Is that is that one audio or is that one video? Will I charge my phone? You got a USB <laughs> port in there? Wow. So that she's in a lot of pain from that. Um, yeah. So let's make let's let, let, let's make light of it. Um, but then the stem cell collection is this week, and then she'll have a week off, and then the transplant po- process is the tenth through the twelfth. So, all right, so we, we will. That, that's a good final. Keep time. her in your thoughts and Absolutely. prayers. We are we are almost to the finish line. It's just that in this race, the finish line is like straight uphill for like the last three miles. But she's been a monster through all of it. I'll, uh, you want to know how tough she is, Skinny? This, I do. Uh, so, have you ever heard what a, 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 a had a bone marrow biopsy? Um, no, I passed on that when I was like 21. I said, I'm okay. not going to have that. You know, I'll explain to you what it consists of. It consists of taking a very large needle and they jab it into your tailbone, into your back. And then when it gets to the bone, they have to drill into your tailbone, drill a hole in your tailbone and then get bone marrow and then pull it out. Yeah, that doesn't sound good. So she, she just had a local anesthesia. She didn't get knocked out. She had a local anesthesia. The nurse is, gives her a hand and says, if it hurts, squeeze. And about halfway through, the nurse goes, honey, you haven't squeezed. And Kelly goes, hasn't hurt that bad. And the nurse is looking at her like, you are a crazy person. And then she came home. She came home. I had a checkup two weeks ago and had blood drawn and I couldn't watch. Right. So that'll tell you how. So, so then she comes home from that. Well, not they did it the first time. They didn't get enough. So they had to go back and do it again. Sure, why not? So she gets home at like, like 3 o'clock. And I'm like, are you going to lay down and rest? She had a long day. And she said, no, I've got a couple files to do. I'm going to go down to my desk and finish my day at work. So she's way tougher than all Mentally of us. tough. Mentally and physically tough. Honey, you haven't squeezed my hand yet. Nope. It hasn't hurt. She's a Good to see you offered your hand in that, too, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you got a final take, Rick Broering? I would. There, this always comes up when, when jobs potentially become open or a coach is looking to leave and this isn't a thing that's unique to Xavier this is everywhere but Xavier is definitely sensitive to it because of their history and success they've had you hear the term stepping stone a lot it's a myth it is a myth this is the most ridiculous thing we do in college basketball we create this narrative that every job should be a place you stay at for the rest of your career every time you get one like there are there are maybe four jobs that I would consider "quote unquote" destination jobs where there is no way okay, that you would okay. never leave right. for. It is Kentucky, that is Duke, that is Carolina, and that is Kansas. In my opinion, I don't think yeah. there's another there job. Are, there are like six jobs that aren't stepping stone jobs. I don't know that I would include any more than those four. I mean, and even you know the Roy Williams thing is a little bit different because all matter whatever. But he still left Kansas to go to North Carolina, so you can still leave those places even then. And you know, Kentucky, it's like. John Calipari even says, like, I'm not going to be here forever. This is, it wears on you, right? So, like, even those jobs, they have shelf life to a certain extent. K is, is a bit of an outlier. Then there are other places where there are perfect marriages. I don't think Syracuse is necessarily a destination job. I think Bayheim found a it's perfect marriage. Yes, it's yeah. Moder, They paid him enough money. Shoe money started coming in. Big East exploded. Yeah, you're right. Perfect, perfect marriage. marriage with Jay Wright and Villanova, which, by the way, before the new Big East formed, his seat was getting a little warm, and he was looking at NBA jobs and stuff. So he could have easily left Villanova before 
things got back on the right track for him and now his wife doesn't want to leave the area they don't his family doesn't want to leave he'd like to stay there forever and villanova would never get rid of him now so it's a perfect marriage at this point one or two more bumpy years of Villanova, and he was out. Yeah, right. You know, there was, was like, a reason he was looking for NBA I, I don't jobs. I know why they sent me today. When I saw they, they flashed up his record and said seventeen year seventeen year of Villanova, I went wow, seventeen years. Yeah, I felt like just the other day they were trying to get rid of him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like but, six but, or yeah, seven right. years ago, they were they were actively like it was going the uh, the Jamie Dixon route, right? Where right. they were trying to like pressure him to take something else to get out of town. Yeah. Mark Few at Gonzaga, another example. Perfect, perfect marriage. marriage. That's sure. not like a necessarily a destination job. It's just worked out perfectly for him. They don't want him to leave. He doesn't want to leave, so whatever. I'm not saying you shouldn't want that. That's a fine thing to wish for. I understand why you'd like to never have to worry about your coach. You get a coach you like, and he'd stay for the rest of his career. That is great. But it's not realistic, and it's not how most every job in the country works, and it's not an indictment on your program, and it's not embarrassing for your program because a coach wants to move on. And it doesn't even necessarily mean that they always think the job is so much better. Like, in this case, Louisville is a better job than Xavier. I don't think anyone can actually argue that. That's And they are on the outside of being a destination job. Yeah, so I mean, they're, they're, they're like... They're damn close. They're, in terms of, like, actual... I mean, just what the job entails and not, like, what success they've had or whatever, Louisville has anything you could really want. They print money. Cr- Crumb into Patino into a Chris Max, a pretty good run of coaches. Yeah. Without question. And so, I just... It, it just... It bothers me because we constantly hear this. And again, it's not just Xavier. I hear it with all the other places too. And I see fans bases say that like, when are we going to get our coach and not be a stepping stone? It's like, Chris Mack stayed here for nine years. years. This was not a stepping stone. He was here for almost a decade. He is the greatest coach in program history. He stayed long enough to be that. That doesn't make it a stepping stone job. That means he's moving on after almost a decade at your program. And you may not even know this off the top of your head. I I wonder what he made when he first got hired and to the point where they took it basically as far as they could get it. No, they were ready to bump it quite a bit. Uh, Yeah, and and they're they're still doing whatever they can to keep Chris Mack. And I will say, I fully expect Chris Mack to take it. But if he does somehow turn this job down, I am 100% ready for the social media post. He is going to have something unbelievable ready for social media if he decides to turn it down. Like, I don't know if he'll just be eating at Skyline with LaRosa's brought in and will drinking Yingling. Sw- will, oh, will he be swimming in Skyline like the Scrooge McDuck? With, like, with, with Fiona in the background. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he'll be swimming with Fiona in an X t-shirt. His, his family. X wetsuit. Yeah. His family have R.I.P. Harambe shirts on. <laughs> Sing, call me, maybe. Exactly. I don't know, but there will be something done on social media if he somehow does decide to turn it down. Shut and it'll be dance with me. He'll be in the background. Yeah. It'll be a wild moment. No, but I, I know, because I, I, that's you're right. You hear that term stepping stone job, and, and a lot of times, yeah, it, it's, it's not a fair. It's a football fa- thing. Uh, yeah, and even in football, it's kind of the same deal. Like, yeah, there's only unless you're point. Alabama or Ohio State, like every job's a stepping stone job. I mean, Florida's a great job, but where did Urban Meyer decide? He left Florida. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Like to me, it's just people leave jobs. You want to move on. Sometimes the people you're working with get annoying. Like we're done with the Joe Paterno era, where you're there for 50 years. Yeah, and I'm not. Even and you s- watch boys get molested in showers. And again, I'm not saying there aren't it. perfect marriages where that would work out, but it's it that's the outlier. Yeah, right. for the most part, that doesn't happen. And for the most part, in life, that doesn't happen. Like people don't necessarily stay at the same job for their entire careers. This for isn't, 30 or 40 this years. isn't when you were growing up and your grandpa had the same job for. His from when he got out of the, the war no, I, I, until he retired. Yeah, I, I mean, I it's funny. My dad worked for the same company, worked for American Airlines his whole life. Um, a buddy of mine's dad worked for Jurgens his whole life. I've worked for probably fifteen different companies in the span of my, my work career. Mostly because a lot of people fire you. Now I get riffed. <laughs> I mean, but seriously, I couldn't imagine working in the same place for a decade. No, right? Like that's I, I, to I me, think it's a lot of people, crazy. 
I think for a lot of people, that's probably true. We've been doing this for over. We just we we established that today. We've been doing this for over a decade. It has been way too long. It's a long time. Yes, long time. He we, he, he R.I.P. Tommy Hamilton. R.I.P. I.P. He didn't die. He just, <laughs> he, his he graduated. college career is yeah. over. Just his eligibility is gone. <laughs> I, I was like, damn, that felt like a decade ago. And then like Rick's like, oh, longer than that. I realized the first time Rick saw him, he was an eighth grader. See that time flies, man. So what, five years, six years in college, and then five years, it's like 11 years ago that we first saw him? He's gotten in better shape. I don't think we have to be as much worried about his cardiovascular issues or anything like that. I think he'll be healthy for a while. He was a little little, little chunky when he was uh, a younger pup. A a little. Literally, Rick fell in love with this kid the first time he saw him. He was like 380 pounds. 6'8", 320 pounds, (laughs) and came out shooting threes and hitting spin moves on dudes with finger rolls with his his hand behind his head. Gotta love it. (laughs) Gotta love it. As an eighth grader playing 17U. That's awesome. That's actually awesome. Imagine how good he could be if he got in shape. He's in shape. Addition. He got in shape now, and he averaged five points and three rebounds. He was better when he was fat. Sometimes. That's why I think for all fat athletes, stay fat. Don't work out. Don't let a coach convince you to work out. Fat. We'll see how that goes. That, that sounds like a good, good, good idea. All right, boys, I appreciate it very much. Best of luck to your wife. And to your family this this next couple of weeks. Thank um, you, sir. And we will be back after the championship game to discuss more more college basketball. How about uh, that? Should be able to work. Yeah. All right, we'll do that. For Chad Brandon from uh, Bearcat Journal, Rick Boring from Musketeer Report, I'm Richard Skinner. This has been the Skinny Podcast, the college basketball edition, presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati.